This is 169 Projects. I'm Michael Tutton. I'm insatiably curious and excited about finding great work done in digital signage and visual communications. This podcast is designed to dig into some of those projects, find out what they're all about and how they came together. That might be a big experiential job, a massive video wall, projection mapping, or a cool one-to-one interactive project. Each episode will get into the thinking behind the project and how it came together by talking to the people responsible. Just like the Mothership Podcast 16.9, this one's available online, or you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or using your favorite podcast listening app. I'm grateful and excited to announce that the podcast now has a sponsor thanks to Mahler Digital Signage. That's right, 16.9 Projects is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Put your digital signage network in expert hands. Personalized RFID check-in, transparent OLED, a 30-foot projection screen, and virtual reality. That's just some of what the Minnesota Vikings put in place as they moved into their new U.S. Bank Stadium in 2016. The Vikings worked with Dimensional Innovations to create this space for fans, which allows users to catch a pass while wearing a virtual reality Vikings helmet or run the three-cone drill against a current Vikings player's pace, plus a number of other innovative interactive elements. I spoke with Curtis Walker, Technology Director of Dimensional Innovations, about everything that's in the experience and the thinking behind it. Well, thanks for joining us today, Curtis. The first question, as always, is uh, can you describe the project to us? Certainly. So uh, this project was part of the new U.S. Bank Stadium in Minneapolis, opened in August of 2016. And it is a 10,000-square-foot interactive space for fans inside of the stadium. Uh, open to the general public, and there's just multiple activations of interactive, almost football combine-like activities uh, that people can participate in. Can you maybe explain what each of the areas are and, and what you do within them? Certainly. So these these unique areas, most of them are interactive games, and so as you walk as you walk into the the entire experience. It's second level of a retail store, uh, but you know there's no retail going on on this second floor space. When you walk in, you have a the first thing that greets you is what we call Tides of Victory, which is a you know 27 foot projection screen uh, that's kind of a pump up video, puts you in the frame of mind, gets you ready to experience the rest of the space. Uh, it's about a minute and a half long video. After it's over, then you can. You, you proceed through the rest of the space from there. So uh, there's different interactive games, uh, a VR station called Prove Your Honor, where you catch passes from a quarterback on the field at U.S. Bank Stadium, Battle Armor, where you're looking at technology, um, Vikings uniform technology is what it's showcasing. Uh, and then Forging Strength is an area where it's a traditional football blocking sled that measures your force and you know how you're how you're interacting with that sled and how strong it's a modern day strong man competition essentially um and we have a jump game in there sky to bahala measures your vertical leap uh speed prevails which is a shuttle run activity uh, all of these are, you know, kind of loosely based on the NFL combine that they have for NFL players where they're measuring every aspect of how physically fit they are to be an NFL player. So that's that's kind of the, you know, that's the concept for the space along with tying in Vikings history and lore to it. And then there's also a lot of physical elements uh, where 
we're an experienced design company and we have a fabrication shop attached to it. So there's, there's a lot of built elements that are in there as well. Um, showcasing Chris Carter's thousand catches. So we have Chrome footballs, one for each catch that touchdown catch that he had. Uh, there's photo ops with, uh, players that we, that our art department here made that are, uh, the purple people eaters from back in the seventies. So you have a, just kind of a static photo op as well. Um, and then showcasing some other history elements from the team. So it's, it's not a traditional hall of fame. Like you see in some stadiums, it's a mix of hall of fame and interactive. And was the whole thing developed holistically or was each area or, or game an independent unit? No, the whole, the whole space, it was developed holistically. Um, so we worked very closely with the Vikings team and, um, you know, we knew that we wanted the interactive elements there and it was, you know, our process of kind of just coming up with as many cool ideas as we could and then vetting each one of those out and then how they fit into the big picture of the space itself. And, and how did that work? Like how much of the, the items that end up in, in the final project were uh, the client coming to you and saying, we want to do these things, and how, many, how much of it was you guys saying, here's, here's what we think you should do? Yeah, you know, it sounds cliche, but this was, this was one of the best working relationships that we've had with a client, and it was very, it was very collaborative. So there's elements that I believe our team, you know, kind of own that idea and presented back. But I think there's other areas where, you know, they were very adamant that they wanted something in there and we kind of developed off of their idea. So, uh, you know, I can't say like, this is all us and we presented it back to them. It was so collaborative and I think that's what made it a success. And I, I think that's why everybody was so happy with it when we were finished with it. And then, in terms of the uh, the client's objectives, is uh, I guess firstly, what are their objectives, and secondly, was there any notion of return on investment, any monetary element to this? Yes. So we had a lot of we we had a lot of conversations around that in the beginning, and it's not it's not like a political it's not like headbutting back and forth, but there were some just some things that didn't allow us to kind of set this up for monetary return being that the Vikings, uh, my understanding is essentially are renting the stadium. So while they, the Minnesota Vikings essentially, you know, footed the bill for this experience they don't necessarily operate the stadium. So, um, I think we've touched on it, but for instance, the, you get an RFID wristband when you're in the stadium um, and there's costs associated with that, even, even though they're, you know, pretty minor, but there's perfect opportunities there to do sponsorships, uh, to charge people as they use the space just to cover the cost of the RFID wristbands. Uh, but it kind of gets into a gray area with the, you know, stadium operations versus the Minnesota Vikings themselves. So I think it was kind of decided to just, you know, this is open to the public it's free and it's an experience, you know, it's for the fans and that this whole space celebrates the fans. The video that you watch on Tides of Victory is kind of, it's a love letter to the Minnesota Vikings fans. And just kind of when you watch it, if you're from there, I think it might bring a tear to your eye. <laughs> 
The RFID band, uh, how else is that used around the stadium, not just within this project, but overall? Yeah, so they use RFID throughout the stadium and other places. Uh, there's not a, a tie-in with our RFID band to other places. It, the band that you get is very specific to this experience. Um, it is essentially just to track your scores on all the different activities that you do. And it'll remember you when you come back. It's a purple wristband. So with a Viking logo on it, so it, you can wear it at the game. It doesn't, it doesn't look goofy. You fit in if you're wearing the wristband, but there's no tie in to other areas of the stadium with the RFID. It's kind of only our experience in this case. How did you decide what technology to use? Did did some of these ideas come first, like, oh, we could use VR to do this, or did you say we could do this, uh, VR is the only way to do it? Yeah, so uh, with, you know, di it's different for different technologies that are in the space. Um, very much the VR, especially at the time we were doing this, was such an emerging technology, and I think... I feel like everybody was trying to find a way to fit that in an experience. And so it was something that the Vikings team was very interested in. And so it was just kind of set out from the beginning that there will be a VR activation. Um, in other cases, I think it was maybe our recommendations, just things that we think are cool and that we could really showcase items like the transparent OLED screen is um was a fairly new product at that time and you know something that we were we were kind of looking for a unique case to do it um and it was just it was a good fit for the project um one of the goals for the project with the vikings is they've had a history of being very innovative in just in anything from uniforms to play calling uh, i think one of their players was the first one to have a visor that covers the face mask. So they just, a lot of little things like that, they have a unique history of being very innovative. And so we wanted to showcase that in the space by the technology that we used. So uh, when we did those transparent OLED displays, we hadn't really seen you know, a, something done like what we did there. And so we were just it was really fun because we're kind of prototyping it, figuring out how we can use it, how we can display content, um, what's going to show it off the best. And so that was a, it's new technology, but I think there were very deliberate reasons that we used it. Were there ideas that didn't make its way into the final project uh, because they, they didn't work technically? I, you know, I don't think we had, I don't think we had anything that just flat out didn't work that didn't make it into the project. Uh, I think there were, there were tweaks to things that we, we made to, to make them more realistic or to make them fit into a budget. Um, I know going into it specifically the, what we call speed prevails, which is a shuttle run game. That's a two player game. We had, a ton of user testing that we put into that. And I, I think that one surprisingly, cause it means some of it's simple technology, but just the complexity of being able to track people running back and forth and make sure that it's accurate and trigger led lights while it's going on 
we put a ton of effort into that user testing and developing what that gameplay would be. And so I think all of that upfront work kind of prevented, you know, getting on site and something not working. I'd like to thank our sole sponsor, Mahler Digital Signage, for their patronage. It helps cover the costs and means the podcast can visit DSC to gather some more great interviews. Here's Mahler's Luis Villafane. Hi there. This is Luis from Mahler Digital Signage. You can find us at mahlerdso.com. We plan, install, and manage digital signage networks for marketing projects, advertising, and retail. We don't sell PCs. We don't sell screens. We don't sell advertising or do physical installations. At Mahler Digital Signage, we offer an all-around consultancy service and project management that will help you find the best hardware and software solutions to deploy from scratch your digital signage network. We adapt to what your company needs, from small to large networks, with a direct support from our engineers within 20 minutes. So at Matter, we manage and design networks. We manage and design digital signage networks. That is it. Check out our website at www.mallardso.com. Is it your expectation you'll improve things technically over time so that, again, I'm not, I don't want to focus on the VR, but you know, using the VR as an example where that's technology that's probably going to improve year upon year, will you go back and continually be updating that? Yes, I think that's the plan. Um, it's, you have, there, there were definitely some limitations on the VR, and it seems like every month there's strides in that area and things that we can do differently. So I think the VR is definitely ripe for uh, kind of constant updates. We, we we're actually working with the team on another project currently. And so, um, you know, in a different space. And so we have really good communication with those guys. And even the, we kind of changed some positioning for the, the transparent OLED display. Um, and, if you if you haven't seen the space or the pictures of it, there's a there's a mannequin behind it, and then transparent displays are in front of the mannequin, and you use the touch screen to highlight elements of the uniform. But uh, we were just kind of realizing the way we positioned it in the space, people people didn't necessarily go up there and interact with it or know that they could touch it and see the mannequin behind it, and so we just earlier before the season started this year, repositioned um, those transparent displays to just kind of give that more prominence and let people know that they could see behind those screens. I think a lot of people didn't realize that they were transparent if they're looking at it from across the room. Well, and that leads to the ability to, to track the interactions. What What is being done to track interactions and, and what what's being done with that information? Yeah, it's uh, so obviously since we have the RFID wristband, we, we have kind of a window into how people are using the space. We also, we also with that built kind of a tracking, a tracking app that helps as far as um, there's legal disclaimers before people start interacting with all the elements. And so uh, that RFID band is tied into that system a little bit. Uh, so we track gameplays, uh, you know, unique visitors versus, you know, how many games visitors are playing. Uh, you know, each visitor is how many activities each visitor is using. So um, I think uh, 
last count, we are probably what, only a couple of games into the 2017 season, and we know that there's been 20,000 game plays, over 20,000 game plays, um, with almost 9,000 uh, unique players. So we, we're happy knowing that you know when people come in there, they're not just doing one activity and leaving. I think we have an average of about three or four kind of unique gameplays per visit. So uh, I think it's just, you know, we're trying to track each activity individually, see what's working, what's not working. We get a, we also rely a lot on just verbal feedback from the Vikings team that's in there in the space on what they see from game to game and how easy or not easy, what barriers there are. Uh, but on, on a game day, that space is packed. And so, um, just that's, a, I think that's a, a big concern is, you know, keeping the, keeping the activity time to kind of moving people through there. So everybody gets to, everybody gets to play and they're not, I, I think that's, that's one of our big focuses, just trying to eliminate barriers, move as many people as we can through there while still giving them a good experience. So you mentioned the example of the mannequin and the uh, clear OLED, but what about uh, other elements? Have you made changes to elements based on what you just said about trying to keep people moving through? Have you shortened some or lengthened others since you've launched? Yeah, especially, um, you know, going back to the one I hit on the speed prevails. Um, initially, when we're designing this, you know, we don't have hundreds of people. We do user testing, but it's, it's usually a smaller amount of people. So we had instructions on every activity. This is how you use the screen. You know, this is going to be, you know, you click this button, enter your name here. And that was one that, you know, before I think we even launched for the first game when we had just some soft openings. Once somebody watches one person do it, they know how to do the activity. And so they don't want to be sitting there cycling through instruction screens to get to the game. So I, that's one of the first changes we made right out of the gate was, okay, let's really condense the instruction sets that we have, you know, in these down and just get people into the game as quick as we can. Um, and then there was a lot of physical things that we needed to think about and had to work through with people actually in the space as far as as the lines queue up. How do we, you know, how do we move those people around where they're not interfering with, you know, people at another station doing another activity? So it was, it was more, it was a lot of logistical concerns, I would say, more than uh, technical tweaks. I felt like we had really kind of hammered on the technical side really hard. And it was, it was more the user experience side that we really worked through on site. What were some of the technical challenges you had to overcome? You know, the, the, use, of, the use of new technologies, the, the OLED was a, a learning curve as far as what content looks good on a transparent display. Um, just, just something small like figuring out the mannequin, you know, just figuring out that that looks so much better if we light the mannequin with LEDs, which seems obvious in retrospect, but, um, you know, we were kind of expecting to put the mannequin up, have the transparent display there, boom, we're done. 
uh, and then just putting a pop of LEDs on that mannequin just made a tremendous difference in that. Um, you know, kind of working through some elements on the blended projection that we did on the, the giant kind of 27 foot screen, uh, just getting that blending and warping correctly while, you know, concealing the projectors and having a, a show system and countdown all working together in the space, uh, getting the RFID elements, you know, clicking and working together. And, uh, and there was just, you know, nothing that was like a major, we didn't need rocket scientists to, um, to solve them. It was more, uh, just, there's a lot of, a lot of different elements going on. And I would say just the technical challenge of bringing them all together to kind of a unified, a unified space and environment was probably the biggest challenge. Outside of, I'm sure, you know, working with a great team, what was the best part of this project for you? <laughs> I think the, the best part of it was, I, again, may not be what the users want to hear, but we absolutely loved working with this client. And so just seeing their, seeing their faces when this thing was coming to life, I would say was the best, um, the best part of it for us. I think, I feel like we exceeded their expectations and I think it just, it really showed when they were looking at it. And so just seeing a, you know, essentially a year and a half of work come together in that space and it being a success, that was the best part of the project. The launch is always, you know, it's always a big relief when it's done, but it was definitely just making the client happy on this one. It was great. So what's next? It sounds like you're always monitoring it. So what's next? What's, what improvements are coming to it? We'll probably for the most part, remain status quo this year. Um, in the very, we've kind of set up the software in a way where we can tie this into the Vikings rewards program that they have on their mobile app. And so that'll be an integration with the Vikings team. Uh, ideally, I think long-term what we'd like to have is your gameplay in these areas. Uh, you will earn points in the Vikings reward system. And then uh, I think they have various levels of discounts or little promotional giveaways that they do. So we'd like to integrate the Voyage in with their Vikings Rewards program. So I see that as a big area. Great. Well, thanks for taking the time to talk to us today. You're welcome. Thanks for reaching out. It was, it was great talking to you. That's all for this episode of 69 Projects. If you've seen a project in the wild and said to yourself, now that's cool, I'd love to hear about it and maybe featured on an upcoming episode. You can reach me at michael at crowncontent.ca. This podcast is a companion to the 69 podcast, which talks to smart people doing interesting things in this business. It's also tied in with 169, which is the website to read if you really want to learn about the digital signage industry. You'll find that at 16-9.net. This podcast is produced by me in Toronto and is a product of Vertical Media Consulting Group, the massive media empire my buddy Dave Haynes runs out of his house down the highway in Burlington, Ontario. This podcast is sponsored by Mahler Digital Signage. Check them at mahlerdso.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Michael Tutton.